0: So the NFL has TV deals with CBS and Fox and ESPN. They have a digital deal with Amazon for some of their games. Their broadcast and digital deals are worth more money than the combined TV deals of the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and the Olympics combined.
1: Hi, thanks for joining me. This is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different, where we celebrate the people, ideas, and companies that stand out. And uh, we have a fun one. This is our Super Bowl special. As always, we are sponsored by our friends at Oracle NetSuite. Learn how to turbocharge the growth of your business at netsuite.com different. And while you're there, you will be able to set up a one-hour, absolutely free growth review with an expert in your industry, check out netsuite.com/different. Now, our Super Bowl special with none other than Brian Berger. Uh, you probably know him; he's a big ding dong, big dang deal <laughs> in the sports uh, media world uh, because he's the founder and host of Business Sports Radio. And I love this podcast. Um, it's it become very popular, top one hundred ranked business podcast. He launched back in two thousand and four, and he's had a hoo hoo, a hoo hoo. <laughs> he's had a who's who. <laughs> Of, uh, of top people on, uh, NBA Commissioner David Stern, one of my heroes, Paul Allen, the founder of micro, co-founder of Microsoft and owner of the Portland Trailblazers, uh, Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban, and pretty much everyone else in the sports world has been on Brian's show. We have a great conversation about the business side of the Super Bowl, how incredible the betting is getting, Uh, what's going on with Super Bowl ads, Uh, who Brian thinks is going to win the game and what kind of game he thinks it's going to be. We talk about the halftime event, the Colin Kaepernick controversy, and a whole lot more. Go to Lockhead.com to check out the show notes for this episode and get the key takeaways and learn more about Brian Berger's incredible background. Now, hey-ho, let's go. Brian Berger, awesome to have you.
0: Thank you for having me, Christopher.
1: Yeah, I'm so uh, thrilled to have this conversation with you. Uh, you're a fascinating guy, and I can't wait to talk Super Bowl with you.
0: Now this will be great. This is an exciting week for a lot of sports fans, and even casual sports fans who don't pay attention to the NFL on an ongoing basis. They love the halftime show and the pomp and circumstance that is the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, uh, it's a fun event.
1: Yeah, really fun. Um, But maybe first touch on a little bit of your background, um, some some context as to why you are the man on planet Earth that uh, I want to have a Super Bowl conversation with, particularly about not just the game itself, but the business of the Super Bowl and the whole context of the thing.
0: Well, I've been the host of Sports Business Radio for the last 15 years, so we launched our show in 2004 and we've been talking to the movers and shakers in the sports industry ever since then. So I used to work for the Portland Trailblazers of the NBA, and I met a lot of owners and agents and people who make the sports world go behind the scenes. Everyone was interviewing the players and the coaches. No one was talking to the business people behind the scenes, again, the owners, agents, front office executives. So I thought, wow, I know a lot of those people, they have something to say. They have egos. They want to share their story. So uh, 15 years later, we've talked to the people who live and breathe it every day. So we bring a really unique perspective. I feel like every week on our show, it's a master class. You're hearing from people who uh, make some of the biggest organizations in sports go. And it's a firsthand perspective from them. It's not being reported by someone else. It's right from their mouth. So uh, it's been good and, and I love offering that perspective to our listeners.
1: Well, and I'm so stoked you did it. I'm so stoked that I found you because I'm you know like a lot of folks, a sports fan. I'm not a, a crazy sports fan. my, my sport uh, in terms of team sports, uh, I'm more crazed on the UFC. but you know you gotta love basketball, I think, particularly living where I live, you know exactly. The NFL, and I know there's been some controversy around around some, some of the, you know, taking the knee and some of that stuff. We can talk about some of that if you like. Uh, but if you move that to the side, um, f- fucking A, the NFL is an exciting, an exciting game. I grew up loving uh, baseball. I grew up loving hockey growing up in Montreal. So, you know, I think it's just fun to be into it, even if you're into it on a casual, uh, more casual basis the way I am. But as a business guy, as an entrepreneur, as a marketing guy, what you've done is created something that gives me a, um, an insider's look at, you know, what's, what's going on behind the game and, and the, the, the business side of it.
0: Yeah, I, one of the things when we started Sports Business Radio, kind of my litmus test was... Does my mom understand what we're talking about if she listens and complex? So sometimes people hear sports business radio and they think we're going to talk stock prices and, uh, you know, certain deals, but we don't get that complicated. It really is more about why did people make certain decisions that they made? How did they find their path to success? And, uh, you know, we keep it simple, stupid as they say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, I'm really appreciative of our mutual friend, uh, Keith Estabrook, who who connected us. You know, I, yes. I, met, I met Keith because he represents Andre Godala, who um, was spectacular enough to come on my podcast, and I just in- immensely enjoyed meeting Andre. And, you know, I don't know if you find this as a radio guy and podcaster, but uh, I would say, and I don't mean this in a shitty way, but when I deal with PR people, it's very hit and miss. And I don't know why that is, um, but it's generally easier for us if we deal with the individual directly. And when a PR person gets involved, m- me and the other folks, uh, you know, pr- particularly um, Candace who, who books our guests and stuff, we always go, oh, is this, you know, often the value that is added to us by the PR person is less than valuable. Let me say it that way.
0: <laughs> well, so, you know, the other hat that I wear interestingly enough, is I'm a longtime PR executive. And I, I started an event called Sports PR Summit, but I sit on both sides of the fence. So sometimes I'm a, a PR person who has to deliver the person for your show or other times I'm the host of Sports Business Radio and I have to deal with PR people. And I totally agree with you that they're hit and miss. And it's one of the reasons I started Sports PR Summit. The industry has to be better. And yeah, You know, I hate when someone offers someone up to you and then you're like, wow, okay, that would be an interesting guest on my show. And then they can't deliver them. And I say to the person, why did you offer this person to me in the first place when you can't deliver them? So as a PR person, the number one rule of thumb is if you offer something up, you better make sure you can deliver it, whether it's an Andre Iguodala or anyone else. But I agree with you. I like building relationships with the people that I have on my show as guests and I'd rather deal with them directly than go through a PR person. But sometimes a PR person can add some elements that I may not have thought of, whether they're facts and figures or stories or, you know, certain collateral materials that we can push out on social media to support the interview. But I agree with you. Uh, It can be very hit and miss.
1: Well, and the thing, you know, I love how Keith has been with me. I mean, he has been an absolute professional, thorough he's one Uh, of the best you know we had a little few snafus in the scheduling we wanted to try to get together in the spring and whatever reason that didn't work and then we reconnected and and he was just a total pro the whole way and you know to your point on the delivery side you know we've had some big name athletes on the podcast and I'm super grateful about that and we've had some situations like uh, between us girls um uh Dennis Rodman was supposed to be on the podcast uh and he totally fucking blew me off. And you're
0: shocked by that? No,
1: I wasn't shocked. As a matter of of fact, I I sort of have it as like a badge of honor. It's like, hey, well, just so you know, Bill Walton's done the podcast twice, and Dennis Rodman blew me off. So I think that's kind of cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not surprised by Rodman. And look, there are certain people like Rodman that have that reputation, right? So you have to know going in, oh, there's a 50-50 chance here that Rodman's actually going to, so now, one of my favorite saying is "Get him in the seat," like get him in the chair. How do you yeah. get the guest in the chair? And sometimes it takes months of planning. I'll give you an example: the late Paul Allen, who was the owner of the Portland Trailblazers. I actually worked. For one of him. my heroes, Paul Allen. Yeah, I mean, I worked for him when I worked for the Blazers, and you know, he owned the Seahawks and. It literally took three years for me to get him in the chair, and I finally got him in the chair. And I sat down with him face to face. It wasn't on the phone, which is typically how I do interviews, and it was great. But sometimes it takes a long time to get the person you want in the chair. You got to chase the the holy grail, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this: Rodman's not invited back. He can go f himself. I don't. So really...
0: that's your rule, Holly. Huh? If, if they screw you over, like that's it.
1: Absolutely. And even I'm even <laughs> a, more vindictive than that, <laughs> because there are some big names, uh, not so much athletes, but in the business world, uh, entrepreneur world, Silicon Valley and so forth, that uh, tried to get on the podcast early when, you know, we weren't as successful or as known as we are now. And they blew me off. And a few of them, their pr folks have circled back you know they circle back a year later and they try to not knowing this happened of course and trying to get so-and-so on the podcast and there's been two in particular who were you know pretty shitty about blowing me off when i was a quote-unquote nobody in the podcast world and uh i I hate to admit it brian but i do i have told those two pr people uh so-and-so will never be invited on my podcast
0: yeah. So, so I'm going to give you a flip side of that story. Okay. So a few years ago, this PR person that I'd never heard of reaches out to me and they say, how would you like to have Jack Nicholas on your show? He wants to talk about golf course design, the golden bear brand. Would you be interested in Jack Nicholas? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like Jack Nicholas is the greatest golfer ever in my opinion. But of me was thinking, there's no way in the world that this guy that I've never heard of is going to deliver me Jack Nicholas. There's just no way. Like, I'll go along with it because it's Jack Nicholas. He's such a big name. Like, I'll go sit in my studio at the designated time. I'll be with my producer. We'll be ready for this conversation. But I'm fully expecting that there's no way Jack Nicholas is calling in at the designated time. Well, I'll be damned, Christopher. Jack Nicholas called in, and it was one of the greatest interviews we've done in the 15 years of the show. <laughs> and I said to the PR person afterwards, I said, I don't care what you're selling, I'm buying. Yeah. You delivered me Jack Nicholas. I will do whatever you want going forward because you just brought me the greatest golfer of all time. So I'm yours going forward. So it works both ways.
1: Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons uh, I will be a Keith Easterbrook fan for the rest of my life. Uh, He was a consummate professional in lining things up with Andre just to put a fine point on this discussion. As we were getting very close, Andre really wanted to do it in person, not, not um, over the internet. So uh, being in the East Bay, I went from Santa Cruz over to Berkeley and some ding-dong hotel and rented a room and brought all the gear and all that stuff. And wow. I Oh, yeah. No, did, uh, all you went all that. out. Well, I went all out. But, uh, you know, the day or two before, I sort of said to Keith, I said, now, Keith, you know, I don't mean any disrespect to you or Andre, but I've done this many times before with celebrities. And um, some of them are really good and some of them are not. Um, and I was just sort of verifying is Andre going to be there or is he going to be Dennis Rodman? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no, no, Andre will be there. And I think it was two o'clock or, so, you know, whatever it was, but I, I got set up nice and early and all that had the room all ready, And at the designated time door opens in walks, Andre, no PR people, no handlers, no lawyers, no, no nothing, no entourage, shakes my hand, is a total gentleman, we do the conversation, he was even kind enough to sign some merch for me, I never do that normally, but I had some friends who begged me uh, for some kids and stuff, and so I, I felt funny doing it at the end, but I said, would you mind, and he, the, everything, every, the, the conversation, everything, uh, uh, the, uh, the way Andre conducted himself, I will be a fan for life of both Andre's and Keith, and of course, he connected us, and so, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to say some negative things about some PR people. Keith is a shining example of a legendary PR person.
0: No, I agree. He's one of the best and he understands how it all works. And yeah, the other part of it too is just if you have challenges from your client, just share that with us, right? Like, hey, this last second thing came up, like as much of a heads up, think about it. If you went to the hotel and you went to all that expense and all that time and trouble and then he no-showed, and the PR person doesn't give you any heads up, that ruins a lot of things for your day. So just be professional with people yeah. and be honest with them and, and tell them you know what the truth is. But also some of it when you're dealing with celebrities, which both of us have dealt with, it's client control. Like I've had yeah. clients who are athletes say to me, I don't feel like doing this today or go ahead and cancel that. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You said you were going to do this. You gave the person your word Not only is your reputation on the line, but my reputation is on the line too. And I'm not taking a a fall with my reputation because you don't feel like doing this today. So you have (laughs) to really, you have to get on them. And you have to have that kind of relationship with your client to be able to have that conversation with them. So many people, I work with so many celebrities and multi-billionaires and people like that. I would say the common thing that I see is so many people are afraid to tell those people the truth. Yeah. They're afraid to be candid with them and they walk on eggshells around them. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you the truth. I will be candid with you. And I find that the people that I deal with, uh, who are high profile, they respect me more because I tell them the truth. Cause they're like, you know what? Everyone's blowing smoke at my ass. I like the fact that you're actually going to look out for my best interest and you're going to tell me the truth.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's very, very powerful. And, uh, uh, Andre, a total pro, Keith, a total pro. And look, I, I've met a lot of folks in in this same realm, too. Like I've been blown away by having uh, Bill Walton in my life. You know, he's become uh, he's become a buddy and he's been on the podcast a couple times. And, you know, he's just the most affable, humble, welcoming, fun, funny. He's a his brain is a great place to hang out.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on in there. Well, look, he's a former Portland Trailblazer. He's a fellow redhead. What is there not to like?
1: Yeah, he's seven feet tall.
0: Yeah, seven (laughs) feet tall.
1: He's the greatest deadhead of all time, and and he might be the greatest music fan, period, of all time.
0: (laughs) He's certainly up there. What a character he is.
1: Yeah, I just love him. A great American, great athlete, and just a wonderful guy. Now, hey, you are the guy. It's the Super Bowl. Unpack the Super the Super Bowl for me. What's going to oh take God. place this weekend? How many people are watching? What's going to happen? Maroon 5, Brady, let's, let's go.
0: Well, so let's start with the highest rated Super Bowl ever. The most watched Super Bowl was 2015 with the Patriots and the Seahawks. Remember that amazing ending where Malcolm Butler from the Patriots stepped in front of the pass from Russell Wilson at the goal line and preserved the victory For the Patriots. Right. It looked
1: like the Pats were might lose that Super Bowl, right?
0: Looked like they were going to. I mean, Seahawks were on the one-yard line. So 114 million people watch that game. Most watched Super Bowl ever. So that's the bar. I said on Sports Business Radio this week, even though we have two top 10 media markets, LA and Boston in the Super Bowl, I don't think we're going to get to 114 million. And It's not a knock on the teams. It's just there are so many other options out there now to distract us and to, uh, you know, take our attention to something else. I mean, look if the Kardashians
1: are tweeting that day, we might not watch the Super Bowl. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, if there's a butt selfie or something like that. Yeah, which there
1: always is, isn't there?
0: Right. Yeah. So, you know, $100 is still – much more than any other program gets. So I think eight of the top 10 TV shows in 2018 were NFL games. So it just shows you the dominance of the NFL on TV. The other stat I throw out with the NFL, just to put this in perspective for people. So the NFL has TV deals with CBS and Fox and ESPN. They have a digital deal with Amazon for some of their games. Their broadcast and digital deals are worth more money than the combined TV deals of the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball and the Olympics combined. The other thing about the NFL TV deals that hold is remarkable on handsome.
1: I, I hate to interrupt you, but I want to make, you know, some of us didn't do well in school. Could you just say what you just said to me again and make sure it writes to my database here?
0: Sure. Uh, So the NFL TV and digital deals are worth more money than the combined digital and TV deals of the NFL or the NBA, the NHL major league baseball and the Olympics combined
1: and the Olympics.
0: Yes. You know, with the
1: other major sports ones are like, okay, that's, it's still an amazing thing, but the Olympics being a worldwide huge, every country it, it, it really puts into perspective what a massive media event the Super Bowl is
0: and the NFL is. Yeah, it's king. And, you know, the other thing in this country right now is people are moving to Netflix and they're moving to on demand programming. So the TV networks crave live programming. You don't know what's going to happen. You're on the edge of your seat. You're not going to flip through commercials. You're going to watch it live. And, the NFL is king in that regard, obviously. Well, and the
1: interesting thing about that is if you think about Netflix and DVRs and Hulu and all this stuff, this idea of uh, what today we refer to as appointment viewing or the old right. paradigm of appointment viewing is, is, is rapidly dying, right? Because we all sit there and go, why the fuck do I need to wait till 8 o'clock? I don't know about you, but I'm even pissed when series come out. Um, And they don't dump the entire series at once so I can binge it. You know, like I just, (laughs) I just finished binging. I love this one. Um, I love crime stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, there's this great new um, uh, seven or eight episode series on uh, Showtime directed by Ben Stiller about the two guys who broke out of the Dannemora state prison in New York uh, a few years ago. And it's, it's, it's a modern-day escape from Alcatraz, and it's a wow. stunning piece of work. And, I yeah, I binged the whole thing. And when, when there's something like that you're excited to see, and they only give you one episode of eight, you're like, this, this is bullshit. Right. And so I guess my point is, you know, most of us don't want to do appointment viewing. We want it when we want it. We want it if we want it on our phone. We want it on our computer. We want it on our t- wherever we want it, right? Um, and so I guess to underscore your point, Brian, there's very few appointment viewing Um, shows anymore other than live sports.
0: Right. No, it's totally true. And then the other thing that's happened is, you know, last year, sports gambling became legalized in the United States. And uh, uh, last year's Super Bowl, there was only one state where there was legalized gambling, and that was Nevada. This year, there's eight states. So there's expected to be $6 billion wagered on this Super Bowl. Six billion, not million, billion dollars. Wow, and do you wagering. know what it was
1: last year when it was only Nevada, Brian?
0: Do you... um, I know just in Nevada, the wagering was about 158 million, and that's through legalized means, yeah. right? That's not counting your Super Bowl party or your bookie or uh, online offshore accounts or anything like that. That was just through Nevada gaming was about 158 million. So the 6 billion dollar number is also not just in those eight states it's including your Super Bowl party and and yeah. you know that's the thing is if you go to a Super Bowl party like I'm hosting a Super Bowl party at our house and you know you put the squares up and you have the bets on the prop bets which we can get to in a minute but like how long is the national anthem going to be like the over under <laughs> on Gladys Knight's national anthem is a minute and 50 seconds. So everyone puts a dollar in like, all right, is it going to be over or under? People want to bet on every fucking thing imaginable,
1: right? Tom Brady's underwear color or whatever.
0: How many times are they going to show Tom Brady? When do they show Giselle during the broadcast? What is Tony Romo going to say? What color is the Gatorade they're going to pour on the winning coach? People bet on that? everything. I went to Las Vegas two years ago and I did an inside Las Vegas during the Super Bowl show for Sports Business Radio. It was one of the most fascinating experiences of my life because the people who sit around and make up the prop bets, like that would be one of the most fun jobs that you could have, but then setting those lines and those odds. And if you've ever followed Vegas, they're the smartest people in sports because if they say the line is three I'll be damned, that game is right around three. If they say the over under is 56.5, it's right around 56.5. Very rarely do they miss badly. But yeah. the thing that's really interesting about this game, Christopher, is Vegas has won 26 of the last 28 Super Bowls. Okay, so if you're the betting public, you're two and 26 against Vegas in the last 28 <laughs> years. Not a good thing. In
1: terms of just picking the winner?
0: In, in terms of everything. So, in terms of the you know, whole thing. The whole thing. So the winner is is the spread. Most of the people bet on that. There's the over-under, and then there's the prop bets. But Vegas has come out a- ahead if you combine all of those things. 80% of the money on this year's Super Bowl is on the Patriots. Wow. Eight of the last 11 winners of the Super Bowl have been underdogs, and they've either covered the spread – or they've won the game outright. So what does it tell you? It tells bet you. Bet on LA. Bet on LA.
1: Because. What's the, um, what's the uh, what are the numbers now, LA versus the Patriots?
0: So it's, uh, the Patriots are favored by two and a half points, and the over under is 56 and a half.
1: Okay. So if you, so, bet, if you bet on LA, if you put a hundred bucks on LA, you're going to have to help me with the math, you're handsome. A hundred bucks on LA, based on what you just shared, would turn into what?
0: Well, so if you just bet the, the spread, yeah, then, you know, it's it's $100 to win $100. Yeah. If you're doing some of these other bets where, you know, let's say that you're saying the first score is going to be a, a field goal instead of a touchdown, they'll give you odds. They'll say, like, you know, it's plus 300, so you get one to three on the bet. So a lot of people will look at what that line is, what the odds are, and they'll say, you know what? I'm gonna bet a few of these prop bets because if there's a safety in the game, like I'll give you a great example. Two years ago, the Patriots and the Falcons played the first overtime game in Super Bowl history. The previous 50 games, the Sharps, as they call them in Las Vegas, the people who really make a living betting on sports, the sure bet for them was they always bet that there'd be no overtime. Even if the odds weren't great, yep. that, was, that was sure thing money to them, right? So they would bet no overtime. Well, two years ago was the first year that you lost. So if you bet 50,000 bucks going, well, yeah, I'm going to win some money back on this for sure because there's never been an overtime you lost. (laughs) So there are some people that want those types of bets. Other people will say, well, there's only been one safety in the history of the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning a few years ago got sacked in the end zone by the Seahawks when the Seahawks crushed the, the Broncos in that Super Bowl. Some people will say I think LA has a really great defensive line. Tom Brady's not a very mobile quarterback. There's great odds on a safety, like 7 to 1 odds against a safety because it's pretty rare. There's only been one in Super Bowl history. You know what? I'll throw 100 bucks down on a safety and see if I win 700 bucks. <laughs> but it's fun because there's even like you can bet on what's the shoe color of Adam Levine when he comes out no way. for the halftime show with Maroon 5. Is it pink? Is it yellow? Is it blue? What are the
1: odds on that it's pink? <laughs> I think it's
0: twelve to one.
1: <laughs> and what about? I got to ask you. Am I? Am I? Uh, you know, you'll have to uh, forgive me. I, you know, consume a tremendous amount of uh, alcohol. Um, but am I remembering this right? This is the first Super Bowl with male cheerleaders.
0: No, I think it's happened once before. Oh, has it? Okay. Actually, you know what? I think it's happened at an NFL regular season game. I don't know that it's happened for the Super Bowl. So you might be right that, that let, it let might be. Let me just see the, the here. First. Maybe
1: I can Google this as we're talking. But I was, was going to ask. Uh, uh, I bet. I, I, are people it's betting on the Rams? On, I think. Are people betting on the? Yeah, it says Super Bowl fifty three male cheerleaders will make history first time. Okay. And okay. so are people, I'm wondering, so, are people yeah. betting on what the male cheerleaders are going to do or where or whatever?
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I didn't see that as a bet.
1: Okay. So we haven't gotten
0: quite to that level yet. No, but I even saw that one of the prop bets is the MVP of the game when he's doing the interview post game, who is the first person he will thank? Teammates were like two to one and coaches, God was three to one. <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean some of these these prop bets are just nuts, like I said, that would be a fun job to sit around and think up all the different prop bets and assign odds to them. But you have to be good at it because if you set the wrong odds, you can get crushed. yeah, it's no joke. people want their money if they're gonna place their bets, right right, so there's tons of you know, I would say the t v viewing audience is is the top story with the super Bowl um the Betting around the Super Bowl is the second biggest story. And then the third biggest story is the Super Bowl commercials, right? Yeah. Everyone sits around and wants to see who's advertising, what are they advertising, who are the celebrities in the commercial. The going rate for a 30-second ad this year is between 5 and $5.3 million for 30 seconds. What and how I tell does that compare to
1: last year? Do you remember?
0: It's flat. So this it's is flat. the first yeah, first year in Super Bowl history that the ad rate hasn't gone up. So it's flat with last year. So I think the bubble may have burst on the Super Bowl commercial. And the other thing we're seeing is only the elite companies are able to advertise. The car yeah. companies, the alcohol companies, the movie studios. You're not seeing the smaller companies saying, you know what? We're going to spend our entire ad budget on one Super Bowl, because it's not just the money for the airtime. You've got to spend another $5 million to produce your spot. If you have a celebrity in your commercial, you're paying them a few million dollars. You've got to promote it on social media, which is something that's changed in the last few years. It yeah. used to be everyone sat around and said, okay, here's Pepsi's commercial. Now Pepsi's leaking the commercial out. And
1: so is that $5 million do you think it's uh, another $5 million on top of that if you're going to do an ad properly? Or how should, how should yes. we think about it? Yeah,
0: yeah, I would say it's times two. So whatever you spend on the ad for the airtime, it's times two to produce it the right way and, and support it in the way that it needs to be supported. Like you can't just buy the airtime and then go produce a crappy spot. It's got to be Super Bowl worthy or else your moment in the spotlight is wasted.
1: Yeah. And I, I do love, you know, getting back to the PR side of this, the legendary companies that are doing this. And I generally am not a fan. I think uh, Super Bowl advertising for most companies is a waste of money. We could talk about why. But um, the PR that you do on the front end and the fact that, you know, my, my current favorite for this year is uh, the Stella Artois folks. Have you seen that ad yet?
0: I have with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Jeff Daniels.
1: Uh, Jeff, uh, um, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, uh, and he's of course the Big Lebowski, and she's um, whatever the character's name was from Sex in the City. And they, Carrie both, Bradshaw. Carrie Bradshaw. Thank you. Instead of instead of drinking, what did she drink on the show? Did she drink um, uh, Martina, uh, Manhattan. Ma- Manhattan's? So instead of drinking a Manhattan, she has a beer, and of course, instead of having a White Russian, and I I, I mean, how could that not be? You know, and they're playing it. I'm watching, you know, morning news, and they're playing the ad on the morning news, and I'm sitting there as a marketer going, that's fucking legendary marketing right there when the news is playing your ad ahead of the game. Right. (laughs) And then they go and they interview Sarah, they interview Sarah Jessica, and they interview Jeff about what it was like to um, quote-unquote revive their characters for this ad. I'm like, this is the craziest PR ever.
0: Yeah. No, it's great. And that's exactly why they put it out in advance. So they get a head start on everyone else. They get the mileage of the PR and the social media. So uh, that works out well for them. Sorry. <laughs> is, I phoned is, this one off there.
1: Is that the Big Lebowski calling you? On yeah, that that's line? him. He's
0: calling me right now.
1: <laughs> By the way, as a side note, uh, I was able to see him live with his band, The Abiders. And if you ever get a chance it 's a blast because they play a lot of the movie uh, music from the movie Crazy Heart, which of course he was in, and they do uh, CCR covers and shit and he, you know just to see him and of course it 's a great band, uh, a, a ton of fun so um, so you said the first thing is um, uh, the, there's, the, there's the show itself and the size of the audience and the gambling and then the advertising. When Where does the game come into the play?
0: <laughs> well, this is what's interesting about the Super Bowl is it's not just for the diehard football fan, right? It's your grandma's watching, your wife is watching, uh, your friend who never watches football is watching. It's really an event. The amount of food that's consumed, whether it's chicken wings or – steak or chips and dips you know this is the number one selling day of the year for uh big screen tvs
1: yeah it doesn't so, it's the biggest week uh for tv sales ahead of the super bowl is it not
0: yeah now it is so there's a lot of other things going on that that really make this uh an event not just a sporting event
1: and then uh i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you okay so if i'm not mistaken it's the largest age spread between quarterbacks. Is that Am I remembering this right?
0: I think you're right. I'm not 100% positive, but, yeah, I mean, Brady's 41, and Goff is in his early 20s, so it's got to be up there. Yeah, so what do you think is going to happen in the game? Well, on Sports Business Radio, I said 34-31 Patriots. I think it comes down to the end. I think it goes over and you think we go into overtime no I don't think we go into overtime but I think it comes down to the end you have two really good kickers in this game um two excellent quarterbacks you have an offensive genius in Sean McVay of the Rams you have a defensive genius in Bill Belichick um I think it's going to be a good game I'd be surprised if it was a blowout one way or the other the Patriots lost last year to the Eagles and I just don't see them losing two Super Bowls in a row and I think Belichick and Brady know what this means to their legacy. Plus, there's five guys on the uh, Rams who have ever been to the Super Bowl. Brandon Cooks is one of them who played for the Patriots last year. Meanwhile, you know, Brady's in his ninth Super Bowl. The Patriots have been there before. I think there's a little bit of when you're there for the first time, like Cam Newton was a few years ago or uh, some of these other teams, you're a little bit awestruck by the moment. It's so different than any other game. And the spotlight is so bright that the Patriots being there so often, I think, gives them an advantage going into this game that the Rams don't have.
1: And then the other thing I'm curious uh, as to whether you think it's an advantage or disadvantage for the Patriots, although uh, clearly you're calling for them. But if you look at it and you go, "Okay, so this is Brady's ninth, you said, Right. Right. And uh, there's been all these rumors that maybe Gronk's going to retire after the end of the year because, you know, he's had so many uh, uh, injuries and so forth. And, and so is there an element of what's going on here that, that, that the Patriots might be saying, hey, this might be our last time in the Super Bowl as this Patriots with Brady at 41 and Gronk looking at retirement and like there's only so long this dynasty could continue. Uh, do you think that might be in the back of their mind or is there is there rumblings in the sports business world about that?
0: Well, so Brady has said there's zero chance this is his last game. So he's coming back. Uh, And you think that's
1: for sure? He's not just saying that?
0: No, I think he he really wants to – he's very into health and fitness, and he's trying to be this guru. That's his brand and what he wants to do after he retires. He wants to show that just like people are living longer, you can play as an elite athlete longer than you used to. So I think it's really part of what he's trying to prove to everyone. Gronk? I wouldn't be surprised if he retires because he has been pretty beat up. Devin McCourty, who's one of their defensive players, said if they win, this might be his last game. So there are some players on the Patriots' end where I think they're looking at this as, you know what? If I win this, I've won a few rings. What else can I do? Uh, NFL is a very uh, brutal sport. Your body takes a big punishment. You know what? I'm going to walk away while I can still walk. So I think there are some people on the – on the Patriot side that are thinking like that. And, and that's probably even more incentive for them to go out on top.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Now, the other thing I wanted to pick your brain about, Brian, is you know, there's been a, a fair amount of bad PR um, for the NFL, whether mm-hmm. it's around CTE and concussions and, and brain disease and uh, young kids playing football and, you know, a lot of parents saying, hey, I don't want my kid playing football. I'm doing some other thing or – Maybe they should play flag football until they're 37 or, you know, whatever it is, right? So there's that health uh, issue. And then, of course, there's been this massive backlash against uh, taking a knee and Kaepernick and sort of the, the, all the PR or the stories that we heard about uh, the NFL having a hard time getting a top-tier artist to come play because a lot of the artists have, have sided with the players on taking a knee. Um, during the um, during the uh, national anthem, and so I'm just curious, what your assessment of that whole thing is, and how it's affecting uh, the game of football?
0: Well, so our, I'll start with your second question first. Uh, I, I think this year the NFL did a better job of putting the politics aside and having the focus be on football. Last year, the focus was on kneeling, and the focus was on politics, and the focus was on sponsors who were dropping, um, TV ratings that were down. This year, it's really been more about football, so I think you've seen those ratings come back. They got more sponsorship revenue than they've ever had before this year. I'll give you an example. Papa John's Pizza said, you know what? We don't like all this politics. We're out of here. We're not the official pizza of the NFL. 24 hours later, the NFL comes out and says, Pizza Hut is our new pizza sponsor. And by the way, they're paying us more money than Papa John's did. Wow. So while some people may complain about the NFL, there are companies lining up and broadcast partners lining up to do business with the NFL, which is also part of the problem. I think NFL has a little bit of arrogance that they know that there's such a uh, in-demand property that they have a little more leeway and leash than another league may have. So they can, You know, what the NFL's PR strategy has been for the last, I'd say, five years has been let's not address it, let's ignore it, and let's hope it goes away. Whether it's politics, whether it's the blown call by the official in the NFC championship game between the Rams. I I was hoping we could talk about
1: that too. I mean, a lot of people said, you know, one of my favorite athletes, Daniel Cormier, the uh, heavyweight champion of the UFC, was tweeting about how it was rigged because the NFL wants top market teams, and you know they didn't want New Orleans there, and like that, you know, and that that conspiracy theory thread. A lot of people are on that, right? Um, what's your take on that stuff?
0: Well, it was a phone call. It was it was a terrible call, and the thing is, at a certain point you have to throw the rules out the window and you have to use common sense. So in that case, everyone in the stadium, everyone on TV saw that that was pass interference. So just because you can't review that play, that's the league rule. There's got to be some kind of common sense rule put into place that says, look, everyone saw how blatant this was. You've got to be able to review that and get it right with all the technology that exists today with instant replay." and all the different camera angles there's like 200 cameras at these games. There's no reason to get it wrong. Right. So, I think that's what the fans want is they want to know the best team is prevailing, the team didn't get screwed out of a call like, you know, the Saints did. And, and we should
1: be seeing New Orleans versus the Patriots, right? That's what we should be watching.
0: Probably. I mean, look, there's no guarantees in sports, but if you look at the odds the Saints probably score on that drive. There's like 15 seconds left in the game. Short of the Rams running back the kickoff, the Saints are in the Super Bowl. So, yeah. yeah, that's probably what we should be seeing. It could change the course of the Rams franchise and the Saints franchise, that one call, which is really amazing if you think about it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you can't miss those things. And, and the NFL missed that. And, you know, the NFL has had... Domestic violence problems. Kareem Hunt, we saw him in the news this year. But I thought the league handled that well. The the Chiefs handled that well. They got rid of that guy. And you know, he's probably not gonna be back in the league anytime. Is that the soon. guy
1: who punched his girlfriend in the Yeah, elevator? and it was on a hotel
0: yeah. video camera. So yeah, like- you know, just like Ray Rice, when you can see it on video, it makes it even more appalling and disgusting. And there's nothing that any league less the nfl can do to overcome that they can't put that guy back on the field and say well this is the kind of behavior we allow from yeah. our athletes and, so, and
1: interestingly with a little bit of hindsight do you how do you think the um the league handled the whole michael vick situation um you know as you look back on it now
0: well so i have a really interesting take on this because michael vick came to my event last year in new york the sports pr summit and I had never met him before, and we did a featured conversation with him. And one of the things we said to him before he sat down was, you've got to be able to talk about that whole you know, going to jail thing, the dog incident. And he was so forthcoming. He was so reflective. He was so apologetic. Um, a lot of athletes don't want to look back, and they want to make excuses, and they want to skirt it under the table. He didn't. I think he learned a lot from that situation. He has gone in front of Congress and had laws change to help animal abuse and, and, you know, protect animals in the future. So, you know, there are certain people that you like to see given a second chance, and he's made the most of his second chance. So I applaud him for that. But, um, you know, at the time, the way he handled it, and he admitted that he didn't handle it very well in the way yeah. the NFL handled it, wasn't great it could have been handled better but that's the least of the nfl's problems because after that you had ray rice and you had you know some of these really high profile problems even deflate gate which you know wasn't hurting someone but it was a black eye for the nfl that was dominating the conversation versus the games themselves and the only people benefiting out of deflate gate were the lawyers i mean they were making tens of millions of dollars and really, there was no concrete resolution one way or another on, yes, you know, here's exactly what happened with Deflate Gate. And, you know, the, the thing, you thing to me about up- that
1: was, you know, I remember at the time, Major League Baseball, right? The, the umpires have the balls, right? right. And, and there's tight, tight control over it. I, I was stunned at the time to learn that the teams decide about the ball. Like, that seemed crazy that the league isn't in charge of the balls.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that if you really look inside of sports that you kind of scratch your head at um, that you would think would have different protocols. The other thing I wanted to mention that you asked me about earlier is the whole concussion and CTE. My stance on that is at this point, after seeing all of the, the health problems that football players have had, If you're gonna assume that risk or if you're a parent and you're gonna allow your kid to play, you have to know what you're getting into. You can't blame the NFL at this point because if you play football and you get to the NFL, you've probably played since you were young. So you've taken hits in Pop Warner, you've taken hits in high school, you've taken hits in college, and now you're taking hits in the NFL. By the time you're done, it is a cumulative effect. So I have a 14-year-old daughter, if she was a boy, I would say, no, I'm not allowing you to play football. I I am not willing for your body to take that risk. And more and more parents are taking that stance, which will be interesting to see 10, 15, 20 years from now, is the pool of players a lot less than it is now.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Or the other thing I wonder is, um, and look, this may be a controversial thing to say, but if you look at fighters, uh, most fighters... Uh, when you hear them talk about their backgrounds, they come from what you could describe as more modest backgrounds. You don't see a lot of Harvard and Stanford you know MBAs fighting in the UFC generally. And so for most fighters um, it's a it's a way uh, it's a way out of a life of struggle, right? right because they come from a less privileged background or more underprivileged background. That's that's the common narrative anyway. And so what I wonder in football is, is is that what happens in football as well? Or do we see something where we just say, hey, listen, and, and look, I, this may be a crazy idea, what do I know? But until you're certain age, 16 or 18, we're playing flag football or we're doing things that, that, that you know, the level of, potential causes of concussion come down in some material way and it doesn't get hot and heavy with the real hitting, um, you know, until you make it to uh, until you make it to the NFL or or until you make it to college.
0: Yeah, I mean, flag football participation is really picking up because, you know, for the parents like me who wouldn't let your child play tackle football, they are letting their child play flag football. So more of those leagues are popping up. But I still don't think there's a way to say, well, play flag football until you're 16 and then go play tackle football because, you know, these coaches want to see the players develop and who should I be signing for my high school team and my college team and now my pro team. And I just don't think the culture would allow for that drastic of a change. So I think the one thing that will change, though, is the participation level.
1: Well, in, in some ways, aren't we already seeing this with the growth of uh, soccer as a sport for uh, kids, in, in particularly in the United States, where you know it's, it hasn't been historically as popular as it is in the rest of the world. Uh, I mean, when I talk to parents, one of the things they tell me is that, you know, it's a great, great sport in terms of physical fitness and teamwork and all that good stuff. And, you know, you don't have this bashing of heads.
0: Well, but even in soccer... And my daughter plays soccer. So you don't have the collisions like you have in football, but you have concussions. And you have almost as many concussions in soccer as you have in the NFL, believe it or not.
1: Wow, I didn't because, know Because,
0: you know, people are heading the ball. So, again, my daughter plays soccer. A lot of the leagues now, youth leagues, have said, no you're not allowed to head the ball. Yeah, my and nephew a penalty. is a,
1: yeah, my nephew's a big soccer player, and he's uh, 13 or 14 now, and they, they cannot head the
0: ball. right. So those are the types of rules that are changing. But, yeah, people think soccer is much safer, but it's actually not that much safer. And at least with football, you have a helmet on. Soccer, you don't have the helmet on. So if you get hit in the head, that's, you're pretty exposed.
1: Yeah. So you think we wake up uh, next Monday and the Patriots have won again? And if, one, if $114 million was the record in 2015, do you think there's any chance we get near that um, for this Super Bowl?
0: I think we could get near it. I, I'd be surprised if we're over it. Um, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of fan fatigue with the Patriots. They've been there so many times that there's some people that are just like, I hate the Patriots. I'm not watching them again. So I, I think there's a little bit of that. If this had been, you know, uh, New Orleans and Kansas City or Kansas City and L.A. and a rematch of that great Monday night game earlier in the season – I think there would have been some new fans that might have been introduced. But with that being said, Tom Brady is one of the faces of the NFL. So there are a lot of people that will tune in because he's one of the faces and they love the Patriots. So I don't think it's going to get to 114 million, but I think it'll be close.
1: And what do you think it means for L.A., particularly in the context of you know, and you guys talked about this on your podcast, uh, in LA, probably more than anywhere else in the country, and maybe even the world, there's so many other things. Of course, there's dominant, you know, there's LeBron, there's all of that, and the there, beach. There, there's <laughs> hockey, and yeah, there's a, there's the beach, and the bikinis, and and the celeb- celebrities, and you know, the Kardashian ass selfies, and I mean, there's a That's lot right. of distractions. Also, look, and I'm not an expert in football at all, but the Rams are a team that have moved around, and uh, Appear to anger a lot of fans in in the San Diego area and have sort of. I was down in L.A. not long ago, spending some time with some friends uh, uh, after the New Year, and they were saying how, you know, this team is not. You know, the San Diego folks are kind of pissed at them, and L.A. hasn't totally embraced them yet, and they're sort of a little bit. I don't know. You tell me if this is not fair. Maybe a, a team without a home or without a real solid fan base is that a fair assessment, or how do you think about it?
0: I mean, this generation hasn't been raised with football. It's been 20 plus years since there was NFL down in LA and people took on other things, whether it was, I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to pay attention to Hollywood. uh, I'm going to get into the Dodgers or Lakers. And then, you know, you're competing not only with those things, but you're competing with Netflix and Fortnite and so many other things that are out there as options to capture people's attention. Now it's hard. And by the way, it's not any cheaper to go to a Rams or or Chargers game than it was 20, 21 years ago. You're still paying a premium to go to the game. So every team is struggling. That's one thing I didn't bring up is NFL attendance this year was as low as it's been since 2011. So TV ratings up, but people actually going to the games was the lowest level it's been since 2011. So every sport is dealing with how do I get fans off the couch and out of their home and into the venue paying top dollar and how do I keep them entertained so they'll continue to pay top dollar? That's a, it's a tough putt for a lot of organizations now.
1: Well, and I'll tell you on that front, for me as a fan, uh, it takes a lot for me to go to the actual event, right? particularly in the world that we live in today. We all have these giant and normal TVs Right. that are incredible quality, right? For me personally, the DVR changes a lot, right? Because you can pause and go up and use the restroom and have a get, get a fresh beer. And, and the other thing in my life, I am married to an Italian person and she can cook, Brian.
0: Oh, that's good. So you and, don't want to leave that cooking.
1: No, and she likes to throw parties. And so for the big UFCs, for the Super Bowl, we have our friends over and she makes all this incredible food and, you know, some of the other, you know, she, she, our friends will sue chef for her and stuff. And so there is no meal at any football stadium that can compete and you can pause it and you can rewind and you can take a poo if you need to. And you can, <laughs> you know, you can do all this stuff. And so I, it's like it's like with UFCs. I, I'm almost embarrassed to say it. I'm a huge UFC fan. I watch almost every uh, fight. I've never been. I have the financial means to go. I have many friends who've gone. I'm even friends with some UFC fighters. I've had Luke Rockhold on the podcast. Uh, So getting to a UFC would not be a hard thing for me. But I look at it and go, why would I want to sit there? All the filler bullshit, all that. I can tape it. I can blast through the crap and just watch the fights. And it's just the home experience today is such an awesome one. You're right. I, 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 as a home consumer of sports... Even with the sport I follow the most closely, I've never been to a live one because I can't imagine it's going to be any, it can't compete with my home experience.
0: Right. And the other challenge too is, you know, again, I'll use my daughter as the example, 14 years old. All these young people have ADD. So they would rather see 90 second highlight of the Super Bowl. Show me the five biggest plays, than sit down and watch the game. I have great means to be able to go to the best sporting events and sit in the best seats and even take my daughter behind the scenes. There's a lot of times even that isn't enough to get her to the game. She'd rather just get the 90 seconds of highlights and move on and, and go do something else. So, you know, you know, in business, you're not just planning for today. You're planning for five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And these leagues who look at the teenagers of today and their consumption habits they're really scratching their heads about how do I serve it up to keep those people as fans. When you and I are, you know, uh, sitting on the beach in our lounge chairs, having a beer and, and, you know, we're looking at the, the moonlight of our, or the sunset of our life, they're going after the younger people. Their habits are completely different than ours. And that's what you have to plan for. You can't just plan for the today. You got to plan for the future too. Yeah. And I wonder how you get people
1: to fall in love with the whole game. You know, if you think about, uh, you know, basketball as an example, a lot of people have said for a long time, why do you need to watch a basketball game? You just don't need to watch the last two minutes or whatever. right? And look, I'm not a diehard basketball fan, but I do enjoy watching it. And it is absolutely incredible living here in the Bay Area. And even uh, here in Santa Cruz, we have the the farm team, the uh, Santa Cruz Warriors here. And so for me, I like to watch a, a complete basketball game because I like to see the ebb and the flow of the game. You know, mm-hmm. I love the fact that... Uh, and I, I don't know that I've ever heard Steve, uh, Steve Kerr come out and exactly say this, but it appears to me as a somewhat casual fan that their their strategy is to kind of hold fairly close for the first quarter, but they don't really care too much. Hold fairly close to the second quarter and, and ideally be a little ahead after the half. Bury them in the third and then take most of the fourth off. That's that's the pattern that I recognize with the Warriors. And so I like to watch the ebb and the flow of the game. And is the other team disrupting that? And oh, what if they get behind? Is that you know and so there's there are these little pockets of momentum that take place in games. And football I find is the same way. I like to watch the whole game, not just the highlights, because I like to see, well, you know, did the other team's defense really get in there and create these opportunities or whatever it was, right? I there's something great about sitting there for three hours or whatever it is and just sort of really immersing yourself into it and, and watching the whole thing play out. I I find that more satisfying than just the highlight.
0: No, I do too. And again, I think our age group does, you know, there's something about going to a Warriors game and going, wow, Steph Curry is so small, but the things he does on the court or wow, Kevin Durant's really a lot taller than I thought he was. Or, you know, if you go to an NFL game, I am, in awe of A, how the little wide receivers find space to get open, B, how the quarterbacks throw it through a tight window, and then C, these guys are taking each other's heads off. You don't see TV does not do it justice how hard they are hitting each other. It's a car accident on every play. Yeah, Uh, Baseball has a huge problem right now. Length of game. Too long. And, you know, I don't know how they're going to translate for the next generation because the next generation is not going to sit for a game for three or four hours. And all the the scratching and spitting and
1: scratching and all that. (laughs) You know, when I put on a baseball game, my wife, like it's really hard for me to watch a baseball game with her around. I love baseball uh, because she's just like, ah, it's so long. Why are there so many fucking innings? And why does that guy keep spitting? And why won't he just throw the ball? And, you know, all of that. (laughs) Uh, why does
0: he keep throwing it to first base exactly (laughs) yeah no i i get it but so you know there's our age group that has our viewing and consumption habits but then there's my daughter's age group and those are completely different habits but the leagues have to be thinking about both
1: yeah yeah all right brian well listen i could talk to you about sports and sports business for four hours or 12 hours or 10 hours you know uh, is there anything else you want to touch on about particularly about this Super Bowl that uh, you want to educate me on or things that are on your mind?
0: Well, I mean, this is a global audience. So you know a lot of this, the NFL games, you're looking at domestic audience. The NFL has deals in China. They have deals in Europe. This will be on all over the world. So this is a real showcase for them. They play four games a year in London, so everyone in London will be watching. Mexico City is another market. They're trying to get into China, but they haven't quite figured out how to crack that market yet. So uh, it's a big deal because not only are you trying to get fans in those countries, but you're also trying to make media deals and sponsor deals with entities in those countries too. So it's really a chance for the NFL to put their best foot forward. Um, And then, You know, as consumers, like I said, the casual fan watches the game and it's fun and it's social. And, uh, you know, we're interested in the commercials and the halftime show and and the food and all of those things. So it'll be a fun day. I always look forward to it. And, uh, you know, we'll be having a a party at Shea Burger on on Sunday.
1: As, As we will be here. I do. Oh, there is one thing I did want to touch on. You know, what's your take on the, the halftime show and artists not wanting to play the show and supporting Kaepernick and so forth? What's your assessment of all of that?
0: I mean, it's all politics. And if you're Rihanna and you already sell a bazillion records and you want to be true to your brand, then, of course, you're going to pass on the opportunity. Like being in the halftime show isn't going to make a huge difference in your career because you're already successful. Um, If you're really,
1: I mean, it's the biggest audience on planet Earth for the year. I mean, even a Rihanna. Her whole
0: brand is that she's not a sellout. Her whole brand is hip hop. Her whole brand is being true to her roots. And I think she feels like if she uh, went up against, you know, what Kaepernick's desires are, it's very polarizing, right? It's a very political argument. You've got the people who support Colin Kaepernick and are devout with him. And you've got the people who are against him and, and what he stands for, and I'm not saying that Maroon 5 is against Colin Kaepernick, but I think what fans want what a lot of people want is they just use sports as an escape. They don't want it to be right. politicized. and you know I think some of these musical artists like Maroon 5, didn't show up for their press conference. It got canceled at the I last saw that. second they don't want to stand up there and answer political questions. They want to just show up for the Pepsi halftime show and play their music and not deal with all of the conversation around politics. And you know what, frankly, I don't blame them. If I was in their shoes, I'd probably say the same thing. I know there are some people that want to take a stand and, and, you know, it's a bigger issue for them like it is for Colin Kaepernick or LeBron James has been outspoken on things, but you know, I think the NFL doesn't want all of the noise of politics. They want the focus on the halftime show. They want the focus on the game itself. They want to tune out as much of the politics as possible.
1: You know, and it's interesting. I I see both sides of this uh, because me as a fan in general, part of why I'm consuming sports is, is so I'm not consuming news. And there's so much insanity in our world today. Right. Um, it's why we don't talk about politics on this podcast, uh, except in the rarest of occasions, because there's so much of that today, like there has never been before. I think right. a lot of us, myself included, want the respite from it. And, and when you're watching the fights or the Super Bowl or the, or the Warriors or whatever it is you're doing, you don't have to worry about any of that. And I, that I, I want that as a individual, it's entertainment, it's fun, et cetera. The flip side, however, you know, right behind me is a photograph of Muhammad Ali, right. and he was my first sports hero as a, as a small boy, you know, even living in Montreal with the Montreal Canadians. He was the first sports hero I identified with, and look, I, I, had, I, I didn't get the political stance that he took when I was five, right, but of course came to understand that pretty quickly and admire him so deeply for that. And so the other side of it for me is a Kaepernick or LeBron or whoever who takes a stand on an issue they believe in. And I may agree, I may disagree, I may whatever with the specific of the issue. What I do admire is I think it's laudatory when an athlete takes their celebrity and tries to apply it to something that they care about. And so I'm sort of a little torn to be candid. You know, part of it is I'd rather not have any of that distraction because there's so much of it. But on the other hand, I, I respect a Kaepernick. I respect a LeBron for standing up and make saying things and and trying to make what they believe is a good uh, social move with their celebrity uh, regardless of how I may or may not feel with uh, about the particulars of any, uh, any issue or so.
0: Well, so I have a company called everything is on the record and I have such an interesting seat at the table of this conversation because I get to sit in locker rooms where oftentimes the net worth of the locker room is over a billion dollars. Right, And we get to have this conversation that you and I are having right now. And what I tell the athletes is this, I applaud you if you have conviction and you want to speak out on something. But you have to understand that 50% of the people are going to applaud you and say, great job using your platform, and I applaud your conviction. The other 50% are gonna say shut up and dribble or shut up and throw the ball or shut up and I don't pay attention to you for your convictions, I pay attention to you for your athletic prowess. So unfortunately, the way we're built as human beings, we hear the negativity more than we hear the applause in a lot of cases. So if you're an athlete, you can be really sensitive to all the things you hear back from people on social media or people that you hear back from on the street, if you're a Colin Kaepernick or a LeBron James, or even Steph Curry's been outspoken on on some things. But I think the one thing that has changed is back in the day of Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods, they would say, I'm not staying anything because I don't want to lose an endorsement deal. Now the athletes are making so much money that they say, you know what, if I'm Steph Curry, I'm already making $300 million. If Under Armour doesn't like what I say, screw them. I I don't care if I lose them. And, and, you know, Steph even put Kevin Plank on blast and said, like, you better be careful of how much you support Trump. And I don't want to turn this into a political conversation, but what I'm saying is the athletes make so much money now, they can take risks that they couldn't take before because if they took a risk before, they lost all their money and they were – shunned now if they already have 300 million dollars guaranteed coming to them if they lose a sponsor that doesn't agree with their conviction so be it
1: yeah i also do think it 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 behooves them to be thoughtful and responsible I, look i love steph curry of course but when he starts to come out and sort of question the moon landing and you know it's like you're starting to get a little wackadoo here steph and well i uh, think
0: some of that's like just in fun and to get attention it, I don't it, may, know, it but... may be
1: yeah um uh, but the you know the the interesting thing you don't hear much about it today but of course when trump was running um uh, uh, brady was a supporter and trump used to talk talk about him all the time on the campaign trail at least for a while there
0: well, sure. And Brady still has a Make America Great cap, ball cap, that sits in his locker. And even this week, people have asked him about it or commented on it. Other players have commented on it. The other thing I talk to athletes about when I, when I work with them is you can't say no comment anymore. You right. can say, I want to keep my political beliefs to myself, or you can say something else, but you can't say no comment, or you can't act shocked and you know, in disbelief, if someone asks you about, hey, what did you think about what LeBron said? Or what did you think about what Steph Curry said to Donald Trump on Twitter? Or what do you think about what Colin Kaepernick is doing? You're going to get asked those questions. So you can't act like, no, you've only got to stick to sports questions. You're never going to get a political question. It's going to happen, and you have to be prepared for it.
1: My favorite guy in this regard uh, is uh, Steve Kerr, when he was asked, I don't know if you remember, it was last year or the year before? There was a stupid debate that that took off on who's the better team, the the Jordan era Bulls or the current Warriors, and right. and, um, and Scottie Pippen came out and said all this dumb shit about how they would they beat the crap out of the Warriors, and it was. A, and I, I always think it's very uncool for the older athletes to do that. I, you know, I think they should be laudatory of the new folks and why, why would you do that anyway? And so it was bubbling and bubbling. And uh, do you remember what Steve Kerr said when asked? I don't, I think it might've been the greatest answer I've ever heard, maybe ever in sports. And he said something, and I'll paraphrase, but he said something like, this is a very difficult question for me to answer not just because comparing the eras is hard but because i am on both teams i don't know who us is and who they are (laughs) and he said so let me just say that i think that we would probably beat them
0: (laughs) that's very that's a great answer
1: if it wasn't that it was something along those lines i just thought it was incredibly uh, you know thoughtful and funny um, all right, Brian, anything else you want to touch on before
0: we wrap? No, not really. Just uh, download the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes. We always love to find new listeners, and uh, you know, we talk about things from a, a unique perspective, and, and we talk to interesting people just like you do, and you, know, you get to hear from them firsthand. I love your podcast because you really hear – you get inside of the minds of some of the best, you know, sharpest people – um, in this world and uh you know we try and bring a, a unique perspective on our show as well
1: well and I look at not to turn this into a complete mutual admiration society but obviously i respect and admire you tremendously and i really enjoy that insiders look at, uh, at, a, at a part of sports that um, we don't hear a lot you know it's fun to break out the games and learn about all the athletes and stuff that you see in typical sports media but uh As a business guy, as an entrepreneur, I I love the angle that you guys bring to it and, um, and, you know, like that insider look. So I'm a huge fan of the podcast.
0: Thank you, Christopher. I really appreciate you having me on.
1: Thanks, brother. We'll talk soon. I look forward to having you back on, uh, you know, I'll have you back as often as you'll come.
0: (laughs) That sounds great. I look forward to it. Thanks, Brian. Bye.
1: Yeah, Brian Berger. Fantastic. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, now, it's got to be grow time in your business. I don't know any business who isn't looking to turbocharge their growth. Uh, and our friends at NetSuite want to help you master your growth. You now, running a business is hard. It's it's like being a conductor of an uh, orchestra with the orchestra moving. <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. But it's really hard. You've got to put all this stuff together. NetSuite wants to help you master your growth by helping you uh, Streamline all of your business processes. Remove manual bottlenecks. Finally get off antiquated QuickBooks or legacy on-premise systems. Now's the time to upgrade. Now's the time to turbocharge. Now's Now's the time to build the foundation that you want for the whole next level of your growth because NetSuite can take you literally from the garage to the IPO and beyond, integrating your sales of finance, uh, fulfillment, inventory, uh, billing. Think of the entire business process from the beginning of uh, of touching a customer to delivering and all of the accounting on the back end. NetSuite makes it easy. And at a cost um, that is surprisingly effective, Way less than you might think. Check out netsuite.com slash different today to set up a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry. That's netsuite.com slash different. And if you like, you can find us on the internet at lockhead, L O C H H E A dcom If you want to email us, email blackhole, all one word, at lockhead.com. And if for some reason you think you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I'm simply at Lockhead. All right. We would like to thank Sports Business Radio. Uh, Check them out at sportsbusinessradio.com and the Sports PR Summit. Check out sportsprsummit.com. A podcast I love, uh, Culture Eats Strategy, Uh, a podcast for entrepreneurs hosted by none other than the producer of this podcast, the nicest man in podcasting, Jamie J. Uh, Number one bestseller, Niche Down, by Heather Clancy and myself. How to Become Legendary by Being Different. Check us out on Amazon.com. OneLifeFullyLive.org. Dream, plan, and live your best life. Uh, this is the nonprofit that's really helping you create a financial future and really uh, uh, the skills required to design the life that uh, you know that you should have. Check out GrowWire.com. So entrepreneurs are reading today stories of innovation. Uh, there's a podcast. There's a YouTube channel. There's a lot of great stuff there. Check out GrowWire.com. Uh, Spiro. Now selling gets smart with some added intelligence. Spiro.ai is the uh, smart, intelligent sales app for salespeople and sales managers that like to make money. Check out Spiro.ai. Now, are you feeling a little uh, overwhelmed in an overly kind of sense? Um, Maybe it's time to look into a virtual assistant. Uh, with my friends at Bottleneck Virtual Assistants. Check out bottleneck.online and discover the power of a virtual assistant. Now, are you in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley? Are you a B2B company? Um, You want your website to represent your company like your best spokesperson does. OtraNet is the company that does that for you. They've been building B2B websites for enterprise businesses in the Silicon Valley area for over 20 years. Check out atre.net today. And a non that we love, the good folks at Habitat for Humanity. Their vision is of a world where everyone has a decent place to live. So check out habitat.org. All right, I need to remind you that this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. And all rights do remain perturbed. We must warn you that uh, clearly this oddcast was produced in a studio that does contain nuts. Remember, watch the Super Bowl, hopefully with some friends. Drink a beer or two. Have a good time. Support your local NFL players. Buy John's crazy socks. Don't be lame. Get out of the passing lane. Thank you so much, Candy Dandy. Love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, this oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go out to Richard C. Kelly, chairman of Pacific Gas and Electric. Sorry, Dick, we just ran out of time for you. That's it. Till the next time we're together, thank you so much, and follow your difference.